0: Um, about two weeks ago, I mentioned that we are very keen to face the reality of our, our load shedding world, and um, that we we are needing to um, think about what to do. And it's a little bit of a complex building with the whole office block, and then this section which happens on a Sunday, plus the school that happens here and in the in the farmyard in the farmhouse. Sorry, and um, so. We've done as much work as we can and got counsel, and we'd like to come to you to ask you to contribute towards us putting in a generator, because remember, we're only um, operating for a few hours on a Sunday in the main auditorium. Uh, the youth are operating um, in the small hall, and we need two things. We need a solar system for our security, and we need batteries because the power goes out, so we don't have security guards, so it's a bit I can't spend 10 minutes explaining to you, but it's we need about 450,000 rand to put a three-phase generator in and a decent solar system in to run the offices, which I'm sure will grow in time. So it is a lot of money. I'm very aware of mission. I'm aware of the poor. But I'm also aware that God has blessed us with an incredible building, and this building is the tool for a task. And I'd love you to join us, and I trust that every elder, every leader, and all of us will contribute Towards that, uh, I've I've got my older brother's in the solar business, and he is kindly, I think, supplied, where's uh, Mike? More or less at cost, um, down from Johannesburg. So we really are thinking, we're getting counsel. So uh, can I invite you to share in, and especially uh, for those of us that are blessed by this building, some people have sold cars, houses, well, I don't know about houses, to contribute towards this amazing facility and uh, we'd like to be able to, not, uh, to have our meetings when we need to, to have conferences, to have our youth, and to do what we need to do. So do I have a little bit of an amen? Are you, are you, can you join with us to contribute towards that? Um, if we all put some in, um, it'll happen easily and quickly, but we'd like to move ASAP. We'd like to order the generator. We'd like to order the solar and get busy. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Red Points, and um, thank you for those of you that will contribute, which I trust is all of us. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, um, we're in the book of Peter, and um, it kind of fell on me to do the marriage section, which um, Tools was kind of, it was, he was going to do it last week, but I did ask him if I could do it. Something very dear to Kati and I, marriages. It's, I guess it's a gift given to us. It's part of our ministry, um, mysteriously. And, um, but I just want to say at the outset, this uh, text is, is, is gutsy. It's been misunderstood. It's one we rather preach out of Ephesians chapter 5 about marriage. Very few people preach out of Peter chapter 3 on marriage. So you need to buckle up a little bit um and um and just work with me through the text but i'd like to read it to you and i want to start off by saying this we're not trying to get perfect marriages in this church we are not bent on marriages we are bent on mission amen so we, we're not trying to get this perfect marriage because just when we think we've got the perfect marriage um something happens there's an oopsie and god gave marriage with a view to a great commission So the marriage is that we would fill the earth, that we would multiply, that we'd subdue it, that we'd have dominion, that we'd bring him glory. And so we're not obsessed with marriage, okay? There's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect couple. There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect wife. There's only a perfect Jesus who who says, Adam, you can't do this on your own. I'm going to give you a suitable marriage help me, and one next to you, you can't do what I want you to do alone, and uh, he brings Eve, and he says, now, nah, go, bro, and the great commission is for us to be married, to raise kids, and to take the gospel to the four corners of the earth, amen, and so, so, otherwise you're thinking, so, what's this about, is it about good marriages, is it about good health, is it about good finances, is it about good community, all those things serve the greater commission." Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3, wives in the same way. Let's just read it and then get the shock treatment. Then we can unpack it. Wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Oh, great, the poor wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, Verse 3, your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as braided hair. Maybe you've braided your hair this morning. Or the wearing of gold jewelry. Maybe you've got jewelry or fine clothes, which most of you have this morning. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Verse 5, for this is the way the holy woman of the past who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. (laughs) Don't shoot me now, please. This is Peter. This is the fisherman speaking. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Verse 7, husbands, Likewise, in the same way, just like them, <laughs> be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the glorious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Okay, tools, can you come up and preach this, piece? <laughs> <laughs> you cannot understand this text you will fight with it. You will argue with it. The culture hates this text. America and England and the Western world and Hollywood and the media and TV hate this text. Unless the Spirit explains it to you, you will fight with it. And unless the Spirit softens you and teaches husbands and wives, we won't understand it. So when it says wives in the same way, I don't have time because of we're under load shedding pressure, but... In the same way, what's gone before is submission to rulers and authorities. Submit yourselves to the Lord for, um, to the, uh, for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted, whether to kings or governors. So he, he's built his case previously, which Tool spoke about last week and the guys the week before. Whether to kings or governors, doing good, live as servants of God. Respect everyone, fear God. Slaves, submit to your masters. And people hate that. Well, Paul said, I'm a slave. Paul said, I'm a slave of Jesus. I'm imprisoned. I get beaten for Jesus. And so there's all that stuff that's gone before. So it's not just this isolated situation of marriage. It's something, it's building. I thought, you know, if you burn the Koran, they'll kill you. Do you know how many saints have been burnt? And you know what the saints said? Forgive them. Do you know that Jesus was crucified on the cross. People are freaking out because they're burning some literature. I'm thinking, Saints have been burned. Jesus was crucified. We are a different people. We are a people not here for what's my privilege, what's, what's in Red Point for me. No, I'm here to sacrifice. I'm here to be married, which we have been for 35 years today. Um, I'm here not for myself. I'm here to, to present cutty. I'm here to serve her. I'm here to lay down my life. And so all that, he bore our sins in, in, in the light of this, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. And so we're not into marriage therapy. We want robust, strong marriages so we can advance the gospel. So that if any of them don't believe. So this There's quite a a lot of theologians say this is to wives. Peter uh, wrote to the Roman people, to the scattered church. It was a circular letter with go around. And so some of them had unbelieving husbands and some of them had believing husbands. So he says, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words, but by the behavior of their wives. And so he's writing to countless scattered Christians We've got Jewish husbands who are Jews, who've got Greek husbands who have their own gods who who serve different gods. He's he's writing and he's also writing to, to the churches who are married and both husband and wife are believers. Okay? And so he's he's addressing both believing with wives who have believing and unbelieving husbands. But he is giving special attention to wives who have unbelieving husbands. You could even have a husband who's a so called Christian. You can have a husband that says, no, I'm a Christian, I was baptized or christened, but he doesn't go to church, he doesn't believe the word, he behaves terribly, but he thinks he's a Christian. Maybe there somewhere. Don't believe in church, don't believe in bringing up the kids in the way of the Lord. Say, so You bring up the kids, you're responsible for the kids. And so he said, and, that, and, and, and Peter says, Submit to them. I'm thinking, are you crazy? Submit to them. It's hard enough to submit to a godly man. How do you submit to an ungodly man? That they may be won over without words. Shh. Stop talking. Words, Peter is saying in this context, is not going to win them over. They don't believe the word of God, and they ain't going to believe your word. Your word is not going to win them over to faith. Often in a marriage with a husband, and I thought of many examples that we know about of mainly married women whose husbands are not believers. And I've watched with great interest over the last 40 years how that's played out. I also know a man who came to faith whose wife didn't come to faith. And then she eventually came to faith. Then he seemed to wander from the faith. I can tell you many different stories and so when there's an unbeliever, or the Bible, we often talk about being unequally yoked, which is a very, like, what does it mean? It, just, it means when you're married, but you have different faiths. There's often arguments, or discord, or verbal differences. There are often harsh exchanges when you believe different things. Unkind things can be said. There can be nagging. There can be threats. Believing wives can become very religious. A little bit pharisaical at times. I've seen that. Um, they, they can be hyper-spiritual. They can even threaten their husbands. I've seen that. They can say spiritual things like, I don't think you're going to make it to heaven. It's like so provocative. Peter's saying, shh, stop talking. There's often family troubles. The children begin to rebel. They see a division between mom and dad. Actually, sometimes that division, that discord, those arguments cause the kids never to want to go to church. They said, well, we saw our mom and dad fight over spiritual things. We're not interested. We're not going to near church. We're just going to live our lives in suburban bubble. Sometimes the wives, in this case, can blame the family troubles, the children problems, on the lack of faith. If you would pray, if you would come to church, husband, we wouldn't have all this trouble. And so Peter is saying, Stop it. You're not gonna win them over. But he's watching, but they may be won over without words, but by the behavior of their wives. This is the tough text. This is this is the proper text, amen. This is not a sugar happy clappy text. This is a real gutsy text. He he's gonna he's gonna watch how you behave. <laughs> and when they see the um, the purity and reverence of your lives—they're going to think, "Oh my!" They will not be won over by what you say. That's what Peter is saying to these wives. But how you behave is going to win him over. Unbelieving husbands—I've noticed this—observe, scrutinize their believing wives with great intensity. But when they see the purity and reverence, they're not worried about their own reverence. They don't worry about what they do. They don't worry about the fact that they swear or drink or do whatever. But if their wives gossip, they say, you see, you're a Christian. But why are you gossiping? And technically, they're right. You're a Christian, and you have all these things you're saying. But why do you spend so much money? Why are you? You see, husbands have a natural instinct that they want their wives to submit to them. And and he's saying, well, you're the super spiritual Christian. Why are you so disagreeable? Why do you withhold yourself from me? They release themselves from living godly lives, but they're very happy to scrutinize their wives. This is a difficult thing for wives, submission to husband. It's a difficult thing for a wife to submit to any man. It's very difficult for any person to come under authority. Husbands, I know godly husbands, pastors, apostles, who are very difficult men to submit to. (laughs) Hey, Cutty. (laughs) They make mistakes. They are human. They have strengths, amazing, and they have indifferences, and they have weaknesses. Now, if you just live in your strengths, good and well, but then the wife begins to say, why must I submit to this man? They may repeat wrong decisions, and Peter's saying, "Well, I must slip into him if he keeps on making wrong financial decisions." We are rebellious by nature, all of us. All of us carry a measure of rebellion. We rebel against our government. We rebel against our teachers. We rebel against our pastors. We rebel against our governments. Amen. We have a bias to say yes, but we got it from our forefathers. But these are some scriptures on submission. And by the way, the moment a husband says to a wife, you submit to me, he is placing himself under great heavenly scrutiny because the Bible says, okay, she'll submit to you, but now you must submit to me. And so the moment I make an injunction on cutting, the Lord's saying, good and well, Nick, I see you know the scriptures well, but I'm going to test you on your submission to me, your love of me. My wife doesn't love me. She's interested in other things, but do you love me? And so it's like a cascading chain, and um, she breaks it. But God says, "No, she's broken it because perhaps you've broken it." Submit to God, Job twenty-two says, and be at peace with him. You see, if a woman submits to her husband, she's placing her marriage into the hands of God. The difficulties, he drinks a lot. He's, he's, he's angry, he's, I don't know what he's doing with certain things in business, but out of reverence for you, I will submit to your word and I'm asking you, God, to intervene on my behalf in my marriage. Submit to God and be at peace with them. In this way, prosperity will come to you. In my marriage, Lord, would you prosper me as I submit to my husband? Would you save him? I'm not going to talk. But I'm going to submit, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. But my people, Psalm 81, would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. All the men are saying, yeah, submit to me, woman. God's saying, you Jewish man, you're not submitting to me. That does not give the wife the right to say, because my husband doesn't submit, because they don't believe the word in this case, that she can't submit. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God. It doesn't know how to. It cannot. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands. So the elders of this church, they, their job is to submit the church and their lives to Christ. And the elders' marriages should be in order because actually that's what the qualification and their wives should submit to them as they submit to God, to Jesus. Are you still with me? To be submissive, I won't try to speak the Greek word. It's got a lot of letters. It means being under authority. It does not mean, submission does not mean putting your husband in the place of Christ. It does not mean that the wife cannot think for herself. It does not mean that she must not seek to influence or help or even assist in changing her husband's mind. It does not mean that she must obey her husband to do something sinful or contrary to what Scripture says. I want you to watch this movie with me. I'm not watching it. I want you to, to, to invoice this person because you're running a business together, but it's wrong. I'm not going to invoice him. I'm not submitting to you on that. I'm submitting to God. And so you can't force a wife to do something that, that is ungodly or unbiblical. Do I have an amen from the front row? Submission has nothing to do with lesser intelligence, lesser ability, lesser gifting, diminished gifting, inferior skill, lesser knowledge. Less, it's got nothing to do with that. In fact, wives may often have more ability, (laughs) more knowledge, more wisdom than her husband in areas. The the Lord said, listen, Adam, I want you to to subdue this. I want you to fill it. I'm going to give you somebody because you can't do it alone. And together you're going to do it. It's not an issue of authority. There is authority. There is a structure. But the idea of marriage is not authority and submission. That's just like, because... The ladies in that time, we're going a little bit crazy, which I'll get to in a moment, the theologians think. It does not change the equality of salvation, the strength of forgiveness, the regeneration or justification of man and woman, all the same. Status and standing before Christ is not affected whether one is male or female. So what is biblical submission? It's a matter of godly order Rather than being superior or inferior, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is your best example. Not my will be done, says the Son of God, who is God. He says not my will be done, he submits his Father, but your will be done. The third person, or the Holy Spirit of the Trinity, the Father and the Son sent him. I have not come on my own, I have not come to speak of mine, but I have been sent and I will speak what I am told you, to. so they're in mutual submission to one another. The, the, um, the Father says of Jesus, "He is my glory, that all things have been given to him." And so the Father is honoring the Son. The Spirit is here this morning, hovering, brooding, changing, renewing, teaching. Breaking my hard heart, saying, actually, Nick, you've got daddy issues. You've got schoolboy issues. You've got sibling issues. I need to help you. So the Spirit is the one here in this room helping my marriage, helping me. The problem in my marriage is not my wife. It's me because I've got like, I I need to be first. I need to make more money than my brother or my sister or my neighbor. And I've got insecurities. I've got fears. And so the Holy Spirit is here as the person of the trinity the whole creation was made by the power of the spirit isn't it beautiful and you think okay how does that affect my marriage there's the pattern of scripture that god ordains i want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ the head of man is Christ the head of the woman is the man the head of Christ is god 1 corinthians 11:3 don't break the lineage, the the blessing, the the waterfall. It goes, shh, the the waterfall of blessing, into the children. The moment one breaks, that Jesus rebelled. The, Satan, 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 came and said, Jesus, break it, break the the, the pattern, break the blessing. He said, I'm not. He said, make the, make just turn that bread into that stone into bread. Just worship me. You see all these nations, just just pay homage to me. Just kneel. Just a little. A little curtsy to me. That's all all you have to do. That's all you have to do. He said, I'm not doing it. I'm looking for the blessing of my father in my marriage, cascading down to my children to a thousand generations. Amen? And so wives, I want to encourage you. She recognizes that God given authority of the husband. She submits to God by submitting to her husband. The essence of marriage is not one of headship, authority, commands, and submission. The heart of marriage is partnership. I mean, I don't think I've ever said to, and most guys want to talk about their marriage, I don't talk about my marriage or my wife. But I don't think we've ever said, you know, like you submit to me. You know, um, you must be quiet. <laughs> Maybe I've said that, I don't know. Don't think so. We, we, that's not the hearts where we where we hit each other with Scripture. But that is the Scripture that the Spirit gave through this man, Peter, 2,000 years ago, and it still stands today. In the raging culture that says, that is hate speech. How dare you tell me to submit to my husband? The heart of marriage is ruling and reigning together. It's filling the earth together. It's subduing together. It's making decisions together. It's harmony it's different instruments with the same symphony or song. It's mutual respect and understanding. The heart of marriage is to change the world. It's not to see whether we can survive this thing. We we've long, we've long, we don't speak about surviving in our marriage. We're saying, how can God use us to change the world? Somebody with Glenridge birthday last weekend, we were there for 40 years. Somebody came to me and said, I just want to thank you for one thing. I said, what is that? He said, for staying together with your friends for 40 years. I said, That's what my job is to do, is to stay together for 40 years. Amen. Through the thick and thin. We want to change the world together. Young person said, we want what you guys had. I said, it's going to cost you. He said, I'm prepared to pay. I said, are you? It's going to cost you when you have to forgive each other. It's going to cost you when you have to go to prayer meetings. It's going to cost you. And going to come cheaply. It's going to cost you everything. People just... Drifting around now, drifting from marriage to marriage, church to church, community to community, leadership team to leadership team, freeing themselves. I'm not free. I've got to submit to you. Amen? Because I'm wanting the blessing. I'm wanting the waterfall. But where there are strong issues of contention and differences and agreement cannot be reached, Yes, the husband needs to take leadership. You may have discussed it for two months. You think, we, you know, it could be a car, it could be a house, it could be a job, it, I don't know what, it could be another child. You, you, you may have to wrestle, but you, you can't reach consensus. I would say that the husband, the wife needs to submit to the husband. But, can I also say this? But, please don't take this, preach out of context, somebody, and go and post it on the thing. But, it's better to hold off on the decision because maybe my wife is saying, you know, you you keep spending so much, bro. What is it? Why do you want another car? Why do you want another golf club? (laughs) Is that the issue, angel? (laughs) Seek counsel, get input, pray together. Don't worry, wife. God is the head of your husband. And if you've counseled him, my my angel, darling, sweetie pie, I don't think it's a good idea. So God says, Adam, I've, I've sent you Eve. She's your. She's going to counsel you. She's going to. But that doesn't put the wife equal to, because when there's equality, and then what happens? We, we've disagreed. So what happens is if we if there's in a, in a, in a, we, we, we're the same. I'm saved. He's saved. Who does he think he is? What happens? You know what's going to happen? You're going to you're going to have a truce, and you're going to split. Marriage after marriage after marriage after marriage, we're incompatible. No, I'm incompatible with Jesus. He is my rock over fence. Jesus offends me, but he saves me. Amen. So I yield to him. He says, I want you to give up your business. I'm thinking, what to give up my business? This is what this is what I'm all about, being successful. Give it up. I want to bless you. And so so what we do is we I'm fighting here. We yield. Jesus yielded his body. For who? For us. Go to the elders say, listen, wow, he's wrestling. Somebody came to me recently and said, listen, my husband's about to do this thing. I said, listen, lady, first of all, I cannot counsel you outside of your husband. You are under him. But I will pray with you. I said, go to him and speak once more with him. Speak tenderly. And actually, they got through it. If he does well, wife, if your husband makes good decisions, appreciate him, thank God, thank him. If he makes a wrong call, even so, if, if you make a wrong call and your wife says you shouldn't have done it and you do it, I would counsel you to say sorry, <laughs> to repent, amen, to be humble. Consider what happened in Eden. Consider what happened with Abraham and Sarah. Consider what happened with the marriage of Israel and the father, of the marriage of the church and Jesus, and think through it. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments. Let's press on. Big subject, eh? Thanks, tools. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold, jewelry, and fine clothes. The Roman women competed with each other, theologians say, in the area of fashion, like today, catwalk. Woo. <laughs> Social media. I mean, you read the news, there's this other babe with incredible hair, incredible body, incredible dress, incredible jewelry. The Romans had nothing on us. We had the epitome of braided hair, fine clothing, and jewelry. They competed in that area. They placed a great emphasis on elaborate hairstyles, jewelry, and clothing. If I can be pretty enough, he may take my faith seriously, one theologian said. That's what they did then. Peter's saying your true beauty is not outward, woman. It's not outward. And mo- most of us who've been around a while, when we were young, we, th- we were all at school, we thought, hey, what an amazing chick. Horrible term, isn't it? What an amazing woman. What a be- now, we are, all qu- we are all captured by beauty. The Bible talks about beautiful woman. We know that, okay? But he's saying your beauty should not just be outward. He is encouraging women to fashion and spend time, while well, they're spending all this time braiding their hair and shopping and, and um, you know getting their bodies in shape and whatever they were doing. He says, I want you to fashion a different beauty, an inner beauty. You see, the culture puts women under pressure to be outwardly beautiful. Sometimes it's self-imposed. The Bible does not say you should not do your hair. The Bible does not say that you should be unkept. And wear clothes that are torn and got coffee stains all over them, which happens when you drive to church. <laughs> that you should be unkept and tattered. It doesn't say that. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. Here it comes: the unfading beauty. This is so countercultural. I've got a daughter who's 28. She's in the middle of culture. We, we, we talk, it's so important that I help her as her father to say you are, the, the true beauty is not outward, it's inward. And actually, you don't want to draw a man by your outer beauty, because the day it fades is the day he fades. Baba baby. I found another one. But the, and he's looking for all godly men, even ungodly men are looking for The inner beauty, that unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is of great worth for God's sight. I wrote down here, the bulls are for our ladies. I was here yesterday at the, am I 60? Yeah, I am 60. I was at the 60s and over's tea. And there were three ladies that I had. um, I just, there was Daisy who made me a cup of tea. A beautiful cup of tea by a beautiful lady called Daisy. Where are you, Daisy? Are you here? Where are you, Daisy? Daisy! You know, when Daisy gave me the cup of tea, I just thought, Lord, oh, what a beautiful woman. What a beautiful woman. Then with Wendy, Rennick was there, and she's been sick, and I just sat and chatted, and I just thought, God, this is a princess. Her body, she's got cancer, she's struggling. I just thought, Lord, this is, what a treat. And there's Elsa that, and I think we, we are we going the highway Mail, Elsa? Oh my word, Elsa and Nick. I thought, these are beautiful women. They are beautiful women, because there's something inside of them that I'm thinking, Lord, this is amazing. This is holy ground. Gentle and a quiet spirit, which God said, this is of great worth. True beauty, true worth is what's inside. Inner self versus the decorated outer self. You can't see the inner self initially. That's why we're all caught up by beauty, outward beauty. The world is pumping outward beauty, outer beauty car, outer beauty house, outer beauty fashion. But the true beauty is hidden. It's like a treasure. It's a field. You buy the field and you get the treasure. Amen? Amen. Outer beauty with inner ugliness or brokenness we know is terrible. All our film stars, all our people parading, they're all broken. They, they're taking drugs. They're getting divorced. They hate each other. It's like outer beauty but inner brokenness. God, Peter's saying through the Spirit, inner beauty, inner wholeness. Outer beauty fades. It gets cast aside. It withers. It's forgotten. But there is an unfading, a growing, a lasting, a beauty that keeps getting more beautiful I've been married 35 years. Now we all should say my beautiful wife. Beautiful to me, beautiful to you. Not beautiful to other people. There's me crowing about my beautiful wife. But actually the true beauty that I believe is actually what's inside of her. You get home and you think, see, this is an amazing person. This is a kind jewel. This is a gracious person. This is heaven. This is where God is. That beauty, ladies, can I encourage you? Work on it. Spend time on it. Because why? It doesn't fade. It doesn't have inflation. (laughs) It doesn't erode. These aging saints are becoming more beautiful like Sarah. That of your inner self, that where God lives. He doesn't live on us outwardly. He lives in the si- inside of us. The unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. What is that? That's a meek, tranquil person. Again, that's hate speech today. Like, so we must just be quiet. Must, we must just sit and just like mind up. Must be little wallflowers. Be gentle like a dove. Be kind, be tender, be caring, be pleasant. Versus strong, overbearing, willful, defiant. Hold your peace. Hold your peace. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Hold your peace. You hold your peace. Watch what God does. The moment we take, wives, you take, not a wife, matters into your own hands. You tie the hands of God. is okay. Go ahead. And then there's, Boom. Not loud, not opinionated. Got to have my say. Patient, composed, discreet, calm, moderate. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Lord, I fear you. I got things to say. I was brought up tough, but I'm going to hold my peace. Lord, into your hands I place my husband. (laughs) And the Lord says, I got him. And then the Lord takes us on a journey. He says, come son, we're going to go for a walk. And he takes us on a journey. And he breaks our little hard hearts. Is that, is that okay? The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. This quiet and gentle spirit is of great worth in God's sight. God sees it as worthy. He sees it as valuable. He is drawn to this woman. This is the best part of this preach, if I can say. God the Spirit... Lord, fill me with your spirit. God is drawn to this woman. He presences himself with her. He esteems her. He chooses her. He adorns her now. He begins to give her garments of fine clothing, the garment of Christ. He favors her. He dwells with her. He gives her. He heals her. So if you want to know what it is to be beautiful, ladies, say, Father, my dad, how can I be beautiful? He says, okay, we're going to work on your wardrobe a little bit. That can happen. It's okay. I just threw that in. It's okay. Some of us men need our wardrobe. Sometimes I won't go there. Ask your dad, my father. I want you to make me beautiful. Look on the inside of me. Lord, help me. Everyone's looking on the outside. Lord, look on the inside. You may find this scripture discouraging, lady, and I want to help you this morning. You may have had tough life circumstances. You might be a young girl here, and you think, if you knew what I've done, God knows. God still loves you. You may have caused your marriage to break up. But you may be a, a lovely Christian and you carry the guilt of it. Life circumstances, you may have been been influenced by your parents. You may have personal and deep insecurities and say, I can't do this. I've heard that. You may have been made into the opposite type of woman by your parents and your peers and your siblings, which is what's happening in the Western world. You may be loud. You may not be gentle. Say, I was born loud. I've got a big voice. I've been told be assertive, the Me Too movement. I'm combative. I was born combative. Now you want me to be gentle and meek. Can't do it. You may be very sharp with your tongue. You may be quick. And saying, I was just born with a witty tongue. So I can chop him down in two ticks. <laughs> You've had to, maybe you had to fight for yourself. Maybe you had to shout to be heard. Perhaps you came from an abusive home. The mother was treated like a doormat. You said, that ain't going to happen to me. Maybe your mother was abused by your father. Maybe you were abused by your father. Maybe a male figure brings like angst out of you and fear out of you. I got that. You want to protect yourself. You may be disappointed about your looks, your appearance. You may be sad about the state of your soul, your appearance. You may be bullied at school, mocked. I don't know. You may love to dress up. A lot of girls do. Have hairdos. That's okay. I'm not saying you've got to be dowdy and dull. but saying that. He's saying there is a beauty that God is wanting to put in us. God will not reject you, disqualify you. He wants to take you on a journey. Verse 5. Maybe I can share this. Um, I had the privilege of writing a, a a um, note to my wife last night and um, we've been a bit busy and so, we, and so I sat at the dining room table last night at about nine and it took me and, 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 and I'm sure Katy won't like to hear this but it took me about two minutes to write her two pages of a love letter what is that? I said Lord this is ridiculously easy sometimes when I got a speech I can spend two hours this took me two minutes what is that? There's a river that flows. It just, just flows. I, I actually said words fail me. So I'll try and, and, and write to you how precious you are. What a jewel you are to me. Submit. No, no, no. You, you are a gift of gifts. You are the present from the Father. And I want to bless you. That's marriage, brothers and sisters. That's, that's the heart of this. For this is the way the holy women of the past put their hope in God. They used to make themselves beautiful. This is how they did this. They were submissive to their own husbands. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. You see, we can we can laugh at that. So an old, bro. That's like three to three and a half thousand years ago. You see that woman Sarah? She's an amazing woman. Actually, that thing is when she calls her master, is a thing of humor where she laughs. She just she laughs. She says, as if, as if I will bear in my old age and my master, my lord. She's it's a humorous thing. She, she wasn't, you, you don't have to call your husband Lord and Master. That is not it. It was a humorous thing. But and she's she's but but she produced Isaac. Yes, she had an obscene. Yes, she said to her husband, now listen. That's what she said to him when she got insecure and she couldn't bear, and she said, behold, or sometimes I would say, now listen, she said to her husband, take, take Hagar, disaster of disasters. But she says, I yield once again. This woman left her family, her land, her people, her sisters, her mother, and she said, I will go with you. Because through her beauty, through her submission, she produced Isaac who was a forerunner to Jesus? And I don't know what happened when, when the husband Abraham said, the boy and me are going up to the mountain to sacrifice. I don't know what was said. I don't think he said to her, the Lord has said to me, sacrifice your son. But it could happen. We don't know. And I wonder what she did. She said, if that's what he says, my heart is broken, but Go. Go. I can sacrifice, you can sacrifice to your husband if Jesus sacrificed his life. Amen? I can, I can lay down my life for, for my wife and love her and wash her with the beauty of the word and honor her and present her holy. Amen? They put their hope in God. They were submissive to their husbands. Third, they were daughters. I'm a daughter, man. I'm a daughter. I've learned to become a daughter. They made themselves beautiful, and they became fearless. Ladies, if you read that text, I don't know, you can, you can open it. And at the end of it ends up, they were fearless. They, they didn't fear. They didn't fear man's opinion. They didn't fear what somebody said about you. They didn't fear the opinions of people. They became fearless because they submitted to God. Sarah was a beautiful woman. The kings wanted her. So Sarah was a very beautiful, outwardly-looking woman. But many commentators said, be careful. Because maybe Sarah had a good form, but she was truly beautiful inside. And let me tell you something, young man. If you want to ask God for a wife, look for inner beauty. Or look for where God, where she has opened up her heart to say, Lord, I want you to make me beautiful inwardly. Husbands. She's a... a, Proverbs 31 to 80, husbands in the same way, in the same way, just like this, just like Jesus, in the same way, all the teachings that this amazing fisherman gave and all the other apostles, be considerate as you live with your wives, treat them with honor and respect as the weaker vessel and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Your prayers are not answered because you're harsh with your wife. You're not gracious, bro. You want me to answer your prayer. You want me to cover you. You want me to be gracious and forgive you. You want me to wash your feet. You want me to go ahead and prepare a place. You want me to make your business better. You want me to heal your sickness and your arthritis. Have a bit of grace, bro. Be kind. Be considerate. Know what a woman is. Likewise. Now this is your side. Live with them. Don't live apart from them. Be considerate. Did you think about them? Treat them with honor and respect. Treat them with, uh, some commentaries uh, commentaries say, with knowledge and with insight and with understanding. So in other words, know what woman is. Do you know what a woman is? They can't define it now in America. What's a woman? I don't know. X, 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 Y. No, 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 don't go there. It's gender. Do you know what a woman is? Do you know the beauty of a woman Know what woman is. Know how God created them. Know what marriage is. Know who she is, you, who you've married, or you, who you will marry. Know your wife. My wife is different to my sisters. Sister, she is different to my mother. I married a very different girl. And at times, I wanted to impose who my mother was and who my sister was upon my wife. And God says, you're nuts. Be considerate. Treat her with dignity. Find out who she is. Honor her, be considerate. Don't be inconsiderate, respect her. What are her strengths? This, these are her strengths. What are her weaknesses? I saw my mother cry twice when her father died and a family issue. I saw Kati cry many times. I said, why are you crying? What's wrong with you? We don't cry. No, she was a tender soul. She was a tender soul that God gave me. And she said, son, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to teach you a different way. I'm still getting to know her, her likes, her dislikes, her talents, her spirituality, her core, her soul, her heart, her emotions, her personhood, her womanhood, her body, her complexities, her struggles. Lay down your life for her. Wash her. Present her holy. Sometimes husbands want their wives to present them holy and their family holy. I've said that. Give them honor. Respect them. Esteem them. Distinction, high regard. As the weaker partner, what does that mean? It mainly means physically. It can mean weaker to be deceived, some theologians would argue. It can be emotionally. But listen, sir, you don't have to carry a child in your womb who takes all your juices and all your emotions and all your chemicals and you've got this other human being living inside of you. Fun one. And then this thing grows inside of you, takes all your supplements and everything and your mental stuff, and then it pops out, and then it just says, give me more from you. And I mean, that is incredible what the women have to go through. Then there's all the emotions, and there's the stuff, and then this thing. who's this stupid thing that won't leave me alone. Sorry. They're not weaker with knowledge, understanding. In fact, God says, you- your jerks wouldn't be able to do this, so I'll ask your wives to do it. They often have higher EQ, bigger capacity. They can take more pain. Hey, Francer, you don't have to give me an injection. <laughs> Just pull it out, bro, the lady says. Husbands, if she's weak, I, the, the car, the tire got flat the other day. I just thought if Katya was stuck on the side of the road, there's no ways she could have undone this jolly tire off this car. Physically weaker, but, but a giant in many ways. Amen? I can look at the front row. I think these ladies are giants. They are f- way ahead of us in some ways. They are co-heirs. Husbands, cover them, care for them, fight for them, protect them. In the same way. Three minutes left, Michael. I finish with this. A submitted, gentle, quiet, godly woman is gold. She will easily win her husband, saved or unsaved. He will be attracted to her and she will draw him to the Lord. Historically, women have been treated appallingly. Even today many have been are jailed on religious reasons, treated as slaves. Abused in the home, unloved, aborted in places like China. The women have just been. The girls have been butchered. It's a girl, take it out. If it's a boy, saying, saying, Be, are you crazy, guys? Christ came to change that. Christian husbands have beautiful wives. Ladies in this church are beautiful. This is a powerful text. It can change your marriage. I yield back. As I just pray, as I close it. Stand with me, please, church. If any of you are confused, you can come talk to the elders. <laughs> but, but I love the text, amen? I want to go home and I want to honor Kati. I want to be considerate to her. I want to know her more, Amen? And I can't re preach the sermon. Lord, Spirit of God, cloud upon the house we heard this morning. Come and bless our, our ladies, Lord. Bless our wives. Bless the girls in the church. Husbands, come raise your hands with me. Bring down the glory, husbands. La- ladies, keep your hands down. Husbands, men, ask the Lord, Lord come and dance upon the woman of the church. We, the husbands, the head of our wives, of our household, say, here's your treasure, Lord. Here's your beloved. Here's your church, God. Bless us, Lord Jesus, by putting your gold into our wives. Take out, Lord, the heartache and put in your Son, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit is what I pray. Can you say amen with me?